Hey everyone, Lauren here, and I am really excited about today's interview. Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. They are known for The Illuminate Files, which is a best-selling series that finished, I think, last year. And it is a sci-fi epic that's told non-traditionally. It's very, very cool. And there are tons and tons of people who are fans of that series that they wrote together. Well, they are now collaborating on a new series, and we're here to talk about the first book in that series, Aurora Rising. In this interview, they delve deep into what it was like writing this book and these characters and how it compared to their first writing experience together with the Illuminate Files. This is a great episode if you want tips on writing with another person, how ideas came to be, so much more about their writing process. It's a big kind of delve into the, your, their experience and comparing it and contrasting it. So it's really informative in that way. Um, we did this interview so that fans who maybe can't get out to an event or fans who want to hear Amy talk as well as Jay, since Amy's not going on tour, uh, they can hear them both delve into what it was like putting this book together and putting Squad 312 together. So uh, I devoured this book and I really hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. This episode was really fun for me to record. So before we jump into the interview, I just want to give you a little bit of background on the podcast. Uh, like I said, my name is Lauren and I am a huge fan of fantasy and sci-fi books. I've been interviewing authors for over 10 years now and I got, a, I got a little bored with traditional written interviews, so I decided to do this podcast because I really enjoy talking to the authors. I love picking their brains and getting insight into the creation of these stories that we love, and so I decided to make a podcast all from the point of view of authors and the occasional industry pro about how these books come to be. Yeah, so there's a lot of other awesome episodes. If you want to check out, go just check out Ink Feather Books. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, uh, we're on SoundCloud. So please check us out and write us reviews if you're loving it. Um, apologize for the beeping in the background. That would be my parrot who is maybe setting us up for a, a space vibe right now. She's, I don't know what she's doing, beeping like the microwave or something, but um, it sounds like a spaceship a bit. So anyways, I also wanted to say that I have an Ink Feather newsletter. It goes out weekly. It is not spammy. It is just to keep you updated on the newest interviews so you don't miss any of my chats with authors because I'm bringing it to you weekly and I'm interviewing all these awesome people. So I would love for you not to miss an, an episode, especially if it's someone that you love and you didn't know that I was talking to them. So uh, I will put a link in the info for the newsletter so you can just sign up and um, not miss an episode. Okay, now let's turn to the interview with Amy and Jay. Amy and Jay, welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Thanks, Thanks for, having, for us. having us. Amy, you are a returned visitor. I had the pleasure of talking with you a couple months ago with Megan about your sci-fi series then, and now we're talking about a new sci-fi series. You're just cranking out the sci-fi these days. Is <laughs> what I do. Well, you also had your um, middle grade recently came out, your elemental book I saw too right so you're kind of fantasy sci-fi running the gamut a little bit there right yeah Jay you also have a crap ton of books coming out this year <laughs> yeah that's that's the official terminology crap ton yeah it's it's actually a little uh intimidating even as a as a fan or a reader I'm like oh my god how are you guys how how just how but this book we are here to talk about Aurora Rising so first of all for those of you listening we are recording this in like mid to late March, even though the book's coming out in May. 
And um, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've probably seen this being talked about on social media. But the main reason is because Amy is having a baby. Yes. She's not having it like right now on the podcast or anything that would make for an exciting listen. But yeah, pretty yeah. soon. Possibly a world first, but let's not do that. <laughs> that would be horrific. <laughs> like, okay, let's talk about your book. I can't. I'm distracted. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So you're you're not going to be able to go touring just because it's like do the same <laughs> week. So yeah. But I wanted to kind of get the chance to talk to both of you and give listeners just some insight into the story. So I guess do one of you want to maybe jump into a summary of Aurora Rising before we kind of dig into the meat? Uh, yeah, so this this is actually our first interview that we've ever done for the book. So we apologize in advance if if we're rusty. Usually we're pretty well practiced by the time we get to America. So this, yeah. this could be bumpy. And it's also eight o'clock in the morning for us. And I haven't had coffee yet. So <laughs> we'll see how no, we go. So if we sound like we're thinking, we're thinking. Yeah, we, we probably are. So basically the summary, it's a book. It's a science fiction action adventure. It sets about 350 years in the future, uh, and humanity has expanded beyond Earth. We're galactic travelers now, so we've kind of explored parts of the Milky Way, and we've encountered several alien species. So it's a little more sci-fi, I guess, than the Illuminate files were. Um, we were kind of alone in the universe in Illuminate, but this is a little more Star Wars, Star Trek, so there's more of a galactic milieu, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is an interstellar military academy called aurora academy which is it's the product of an alliance between two species earth and a species called the petraskins they're they're kind of they're like humans they're bipedal they have pale skin and big eyes but they look a lot like us and we've made an alliance with them and formed a military academy where the best of the best go to train to become what are essentially galactic peacekeepers we're kind of like the un uh and a star pupil of this interstellar military academy is on the verge of graduating and he's about to form his dream squad. He's got top marks in all his classes and as such he gets preferential treatment so he gets to pick the best the best to come with him because he is the best of the best. And the night before graduation he goes on a bit of a joyride uh, to, to ease his frazzled nerves and he ends up rescuing a girl who's been lost in interdimensional space for the last well little while a couple of hundred years <laughs> and as a result he misses out on the graduation ceremony and he gets stuck with a whole bunch of losers and psychopaths and discipline cases like kind of the dregs of the academy and they end up getting sucked into an adventure and having to save the galaxy so that, that's a long summary. Short summary, it's kind of Guardians of the Galaxy meets Misfits, if you have watched that television show, Misfits. Yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that um, with a little bit of Six of Crows thrown in on top. Yeah, that's... So how was that? How, that was the first time I've ever done that. That was a little bit long, but I'll get <laughs> no, better at it. No, but that's great. I mean, that's actually a really good descriptive. I was actually... Um, I'm working on writing a summary of this book for myself. So I'm trying to be more efficient with my reading. So when book two comes out, I don't have to reread book one before I read book two. And I'm already like, I'm only reading, uh, doing a couple chapters in already. And I'm like, holy crap, so much happens right at the start. And a lot of all of what you said basically happens right at the beginning. So we're right with our, our main character. And he, well, we've got six points of views, but Tyler, the, the one who's like the cream of the crop guy, Mr. 
yeah, perfect golden alpha boy. guy. Yes, golden boy, perfect. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, crap. I, you know, the things that matter all of a sudden have been taken away from him. And so now, now what? And you guys have some crazy fun characters in this book. Holy crap. This was such a pleasure to read. You tell <laughs> all of their points of view throughout it. Let's just delve into that. Like, you guys must have had a freaking blast making these characters up being like oh they did this i mean talk to us about developing this because even the the summary on the back is just like every single person or being is got something going on crazy yeah we we had so much fun pulling them together and i think that's i think that's one of the reasons that people are already saying they're having fun reading it is that i think they can sense just like the mad glee that we put into writing it uh, so when it came to creating the characters what we really the goal was that every character in our squad so you know there's seven all up because there's a squad of six plus this girl who's been rescued every one of them should be capable of carrying the story all by themselves mm. everyone should be sort of almost you know worthy of their own book so we did a lot of development beforehand and you know more than we've ever done before uh we almost wrote what we sort of think of as, as like D style character sheets for them where we wrote up you know all their vital statistics you know what they what they looked like and where they grew up and how old they were and so on but we also went into you know what do they want what's their secret how do you push their buttons because we needed to sort of give each other a crash course really quickly in how these characters worked because as soon as one of us is writing a chapter with characters that the other one has developed in it, you know, you need to be able to, to get it pretty right straight away. That makes sense. Yeah, so it was, it was a little different from Illuminae because the two main characters in Illuminae started separated. Um, when we were writing them, we were writing them in isolation. When oh. they were talking to each other, we were literally talking to each other on gchat or or you know via email texting each other back and forth so those characters evolved a little more organically we kind of discovered who they were in the process of writing them but because in aurora very quickly we were going to be writing these scenes where all these characters were in the room talking to each other and bouncing off each other we needed to know them who they were and what drove them a lot quicker than we needed to know in illuminae so yeah, the, the work that we put in beforehand to kind of build them as a squad and build the world around them was a lot more intensive. We, we actually wrote, for a few of them, we wrote short stories, um, just kind of key snippets from their backgrounds, you know, key points in their lives that kind of defined who they were or gave a good indication of who they were, just so, you know, Amy would have a better idea who this character was or I would have a better idea how this character thinks. So, yeah, it, it was pretty intense to begin with, but... Um, that was just the nature of the book, the way the way this works differently to Illumina. Well, and that makes sense because knowing you wanted to, like you said, going in, you wanted them to each have something that could carry their own story and have something to contribute to that story. You would have to. I mean, I w- I'm actually listening to this going, well, maybe that's one of the reasons why people are connecting so well and enjoying this so much because you, you, it's very solidly, this is who this character is. I can tell you those three or four things about them immediately and it's consistent throughout the stories and it and they all work together and it's and it was it actually made it easy to read even though there were seven people, seven creatures. I don't know. Why, what do I say? Seven beings? Are they people? Yeah, people. They're all people. Are they all people? <laughs> Everyone's yeah. Aliens are people too, Laura. I'm sorry. Yeah, totally I'm are. sorry I'm being alien prejudiced. <laughs> By the way, something is. I found out the other day, Jesus. Sherry Priest posted a random, it was like someone was asking about random factoids, and apparently 
people with a negative blood types and green eyes are the most kidnapped by aliens um which is such a oh. weird fact and that is me i'm both of those things so i'm kind of like where's my ship guys come on yeah so, have, you, have you ever been kidnapped by aliens not that not uh, that i can remember i wish right. so guys i was out in this field <laughs> no so i should have no prejudice <laughs> against aliens because who knows i may be meeting them someday um yeah, yeah, not getting along now <laughs> seriously we're like well that girl she's not cool but yeah it's seriously um it was so fun to read and you know even some of the chapters like you have the one the one who's kind of a like a sociopathic she's very um in her own head and quiet and doesn't say a lot even though she's got a lot of good opinions and good thoughts in a way she's just like her chapter was like a sentence or two because that's just in her character like yep this is there's no internal dialogue happening here like yep we're gonna die or yep this is really stupid or whatever the chapters would say and it, it made me chuckle because they each you know were able to bring a flavor i mean i'm assuming not only character wise but writing style wise were you approaching each character's voice differently in that sense yeah they definitely do all have their own voices and i think that happened very quickly yeah that was one of the things we were really conscious of because we were going to be doing seven different points of view well i mean zila's chapters are very brief but you know she she does have her own chapters so yeah i guess it is seven different points of view so we very quickly needed to develop voices for each of them um and i think that that kind of came back to that pre-production work we did um particularly writing some of those short stories that helped establish voice Mm. um because we wanted to make it you know you can look at the top of the chapter and see whose POV you're in, but we wanted to make it apparent just through the writing style. Uh, we we wanted people to know whose head they were in just by the way we wrote those characters, just by the, the vernacular they used or the way they spoke or the way they viewed the world. So everyone needed to be an individual. And everyone, yeah, like Amy said, everyone needed to be strong enough to carry the narrative by themselves because you know, typically in ensemble cast books at some point, all of these characters are going to be split up and isolated. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you follow the Lord of the Rings pattern, the fellowship will eventually sunder and everyone will be off doing their own thing. So mm-hmm. all of those characters need to be fully realized and strong and dynamic enough to carry the scene alone. Yeah. And they need to be well before that happens because the absolute last thing you want to do is get a couple of books in, send somebody off on their own little, you know, side quest to do something and think, wait, but who are you? Hmm. Yeah, we don't. I don't even is. know what you would do in this situation. You know, you have to, you have to know so much more about them than you show. This actually sounds like developing this series was a very unique writing experience. Like overall, I mean, I'm just thinking about other writers and the way stories develop because, you know, writing together, which is already something different that a lot of people don't do, writing these different characters and having to know that. I, I I'm. I mean, was it a weird shift having to go this way from um, the Illuminae books? I mean, for those of you listening, by the way, if you haven't read the Illuminae files, they're told like non-traditionally, like Jay was saying earlier, like in texts and in like dockets from, you know, the ship. And it's so that's how the story develops. So it's not really traditional storytelling per se. So this is this is this is like reads like a traditional book. So, I mean, was that was it a weird shift at all doing that? I mean, look, it was certainly, I don't know about you, Jay, it was certainly a lot more structured than anything that I've done before in terms yeah. of, you know, like sort of having character sheets and so on. That's that's more than I would usually do. Yeah, it, it really felt like we were in pre-production for a film. Hmm. Um, I used to work, I used to work in film for a little while. Um, yeah, it, it was, it's a lot more intense than I've ever worked on before we actually started writing. You know, it, it felt like a project in and of itself to get to the starting block 
Um, but I think that was definitely the right way to approach it. We were, we were conscious that this was going to be a different book to illuminate. Um, and then it was going to need to be a lot more structured because those characters were bouncing into each other almost from the first chapter. So the, the dynamics of the group, it was apparent on the page a lot faster than it was on illuminate. So yeah, we, we yeah. knew it was going to be a different book and we had to approach it differently. It, it was, it was, it wasn't weird. It was intense, but it was definitely worth the effort. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was fun. I think there was no sense of rushing. Hmm. There was no sense of like, oh, let's get this bit over with so we can go and do the proper bit. We were having a lot of fun. I mean, we even, you know, I know last time I was on the podcast, Meg and I talked about how we role play our characters a lot and how we, you know, we'll, we'll write scenes back and forth where we're like, okay, well, well, my guy would say this and then, then your, your guy would say that. And so for instance, in moments like the scene where the squad first comes together, we did that because we needed to show each other how the characters would speak and respond in that situation. So we sort of almost roughly scripted that out with each of us speaking for certain characters yeah. before, you know, we came back and then wrote it. it. It should be noted that Amy and I are both massive nerds. We're like, we're, we're oh. role-playing game nerds from yeah. like way back in the day. I've been playing D&D since I was 12 years old and Amy actually met Meg through an online role-playing game. So... <laughs> Yeah, we are, we are the nerds deep. who are to nerds what nerds are to normal people. <laughs> Correct. Uh, but like character creation is often a lot of, you know, for me personally, it's one of the most fun parts of playing in a role-playing game and kind of figure out who this person is and what drives them and what pushes their buttons. So we got to do that kind of three or four times each before we got to the starting block on this one. So it was a lot of fun. And writing those shorts was a lot of fun as well, kind of figuring out what makes these characters who they are, getting to the, to the meat of them. Yeah, some of those shorts have already been plundered for, I mean, I've just plundered one of them and, and popped bits of it into book two. Mm. But, you know, even where you don't do that, that sort of thing can be so important because it gives you so much more of an insight into what somebody's like or what a formative experience has been for them. And if you know in the back of your mind, well, this person in the past was hurt in this specific way, it is going to influence every interaction mm -hmm. that they have with people that are sort of that even vaguely related to that sort of way. And even if the reader doesn't know either at first or for a long time or even ever what it is that's driving that, they do sense the consistency. Mm -hmm. They do sense that this person is always behaving the same way and it begins to, to create a feeling of, well, this person is real because they're consistent in their behaviours. They're not just doing what's, you know, convenient for the story. And because you're alternating not only, you know, the story moving forward, but you're in everyone's head, you get to see it from both sides. Like you're saying, you can have their internal dialogue, but then also how everyone else interacts and sees them. So you're right, the consistency, but also that combination would make I would think characters feel a lot more real. So at least, I mean, on a reading end, it was, you're right, there wasn't a, really anything that didn't keep me really excited to read because between, you know, the where the plot was going, the, the overall mystery of the book that you had, like there's a couple like what is actually happening, who is Ari and what is like what the heck's going on here. Um, between that and then, like you said, jumping like their characters and figuring out who these people are. Uh, it really made it an, an easy and fast read. I devoured it actually pretty quickly. So. Oh, nice. That's what we want to hear. Yeah, it was great. I actually really, really liked it. I'm like a reluctant sci-fi reader, and I don't know why. I think it's because I don't, I don't tend to read like heavy sci-fi. So I like, I'm always like, yeah, okay, I'll read it. And then I'm like, I freaking love this. Why am I not reading this more? So yeah, this book was great. We hear that a lot. That right. Don't read sci-fi, but um, 
and that like, usually we hear Hunger it in Games the middle of them telling, yeah. Yeah, Divergent is science fiction, you know. It's, sci-fi isn't always spaceships and laser guns. It's it's anything that's set in a you know in a future. Mm. Well, so and it's always you're probably more of a sci-fi yeah. fan than you than you think. Right, and when they're saying I don't read sci-fi, it like almost always, and I, and I mean probably more than fifty percent of the people who you know tweet or comment at us saying I loved the Illuminae files, half the sentence is I don't read sci-fi. But I love this, and I'm like, well, then I guess you do, don't mm-hmm. you? <laughs> and it's it's fascinating to me how many people get classify themselves as non-sci-fi readers when one, as Jay says, a bunch of the popular stuff that they've read is science fiction. They just don't think it's science fiction mm. because it doesn't have a space battle. <laughs> and secondly, when they say, well, I don't read this stuff, but I like this, I'm like, well, then maybe you do mm-hmm. read this stuff. Yeah, it's it's funny how your reading tastes evolve too. Like for like I actually one of my favorite things to read now is urban fantasy, but I was like almost ashamed like oh I hate urban fantasy, but then I always found them being like my guilty pleasures and now I'm like, "Yep, I own it. I love that shit. I love the vampire detectives and whatever whatever, you know. It's you just kind of have to evolve your tastes and like embrace it. Yeah, exactly. Forget forget guilty pleasures. Read whatever you want. Like don't don't let anyone tell you what you're reading is silly or no. frivolous or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's a Tom Hiddleston quote. You know, someone asked him what his guilty pleasures were, and he said, "I never feel guilty about any of my pleasures." Mm. I'm like, yes, be like Tom. Be like Tom. We should all be like Tom. That would be a good way to be. Right. <laughs> so. It sounds like, from what you were saying, that you each developed the backstories for three or four of the main characters, and then did you guys sort of swap so that everyone was writing everybody? No, uh, we have no. we have one, you know, we have a set of characters for which we are the steward, I guess. We're kind of the, the captain of their ship. We write their POV, and we're the final arbiter of what they would do or say in any given situation. So hmm. we're kind of in charge of you know, our own group, but uh, I mean, it, it's a collaborative process. So yeah, someone is always like, very quickly, someone else would have been writing your character. Um, so there, there's much more of a sense that they are ours in this book than there was in something like Illuminae. The lines between characters and Illuminae were a lot, they were set a lot firmer than they are in Aurora. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, and I think in, in Illuminae, you would, one of us would have to begin very, you know, at, at the beginning by setting the tone for a character. But, you know, and, and as Jay said, we would tend to hang on to them in terms of if we were doing a chat, we would literally get together and do the chat, like like improv style, not knowing what the other one was going to say, hmm. but just worrying about what would the character that I am currently steering the ship on do in this book. Hmm. Whereas obviously, you know, in Aurora from, from chapter one, you've got – we, we both have to be putting dialogue in the mouth of characters that the other person has designed. Mm-hmm. And although, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we, we do have this set up that, you know, each, each one of us is, you know, well, that person will be the arbiter on what that character would do because we need to have consistency. But I can't think of a single instance where either of us has ever, you know, gone a strong veto and the other one's like, but, 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 and the, the, the arbiter is like, nope they would never do that hmm. i think no, you know, at, at most at it only ever comes out as you know oh actually that character would probably use this curse word or that character would probably you know this would be the joke it's it's only ever gentle sort of just tweaking it's not it's never been like what were you thinking they wouldn't do that 
Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, in that sense, it's been a lot more collaborative as well. Like the, yeah, like I say, the lines are a lot blurrier in this book, as in whose character is who. I would think that that, again, just hearing that, thinking, well, like, how often is it as a creative, you, you have critique partners because you need to get outside your own head. So even by default for these you know, characters, you're right. The other might see something that you missed or it's just you're so engrossed in this part that they're noticing something else over here. So that makes sense. I mean, and just developing. And again, that also lends strongly to why they feel so individual um, in these books. Was there any particular thing or I don't know if it's like element of character or scene that was like your favorite thing to write in the whole book? Was there anything you were like, oh my God, that was awesome or just collectively that you said the whole thing was fun but was there anything in or like i just love this character mm-hmm. yeah the, there's one chapter at the end um right at the end and i won't get into super spoilery stuff there's a chapter very close to the end that i think is probably one of the strongest things i've ever written but yeah it's hard to talk about without getting into spoilers but yeah there are there are a couple of moments where i felt the story was going places that we hadn't been before as a collaborative team um yeah. and we were doing things we hadn't really done before so it felt the whole just, experience yeah. felt really quite different to illuminate, which was, I found actually quite surprising. Um, it, it felt yeah. like a very different beast, and it's become a very different book. Um, so that that was a lot of fun. It was because I think that's the thing is there's there's obviously always this option that if you've done a thing and it's gone well, you could just keep doing that thing mm-hmm. again and again, and and you know we all we all see a lot of it, but you know you see TV shows that are essentially the same formula every single season yeah but you know I think yeah we realized quite quickly we were doing something quite different here and I don't think we actually could have done this without having done our first trilogy together because no, Jay I and I we were talking we were talking the other day about how um in the best possible way we've sort of we've influenced each other's writing and we've sort of mm. infected each other with some of our quirks and our styles have come a little closer together as a result of long exposure. And, you know, we've still certainly got our own voices and our own, you know, approaches, but we've learned to lean into what the other one is good at and what the other one likes to have in a story. Because when you're collaborating, your first Mm. audience is the other person. So when I'm writing, I'm not thinking, oh, now I I hope – all of the people who wrote Illuminae like this, I'm just thinking I hope Jay laughs at my joke or I hope that Jay is touched by this sad moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was cool. We, we went we went um, yeah. on our first Illuminae tour. We went to the Chihuly, um Gallery okay. in Seattle. I think it's in Seattle, right? Seattle, um, yeah. And we walked into this room where I'm not sure if you've ever been there. There's this, this huge vista of these glass sculptures and it, and it looks like, the surface of an alien planet it's crazy mm-hmm. um and we we were walking through that together and we said we should write a book on a planet like this one day and this is that book <laughs> this like, is that book that we did yeah that vista is in this book and we were, we were walking through i think it was in the same city i think it was in seattle we were walking through a bookstore and there's an incredible artist uh, named james jean who i think it was jean maybe it's pronounced um who does these He's an extraordinary illustrator, and there was a display in the window, this really weird drawing that he did, which I can't really talk about again because it gets super spoilery. But I kind of pointed to that in the window and said we should do something like that one day. And, and again, that that is in this book. So that, that kind of – the seeds of Aurora was laid. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. The, first, the first tour we did on Illuminae. So this book has been kind of in the works in the back of our head for 
like three or four years now. So it's cool to actually be holding it in my hand. I'm actually I'm actually holding the first printed copy that I've seen that arrived in the post yesterday. It's in my hand right now. So it's a weird feeling to hmm. have this thing that has been in your head for you know three years now actually be a physical object that you can pick up and hold in your hand. It's <laughs> right. Amy Amy hasn't yeah. got it yet. She's very, yeah, and there's very always different. this yeah. Mine is at the post office. I have a slip telling me to go and get it. So yeah. once this interview is over, I will be off to the post office <laughs> to claim my books. Yeah. But but no, it's funny because I think, you know, this stuff does, it does percolate for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about, well, we had to sort of have time to sit on those ideas and we had to have time to, to learn to be good enough to write something like this together rather than individually. And there's this long period when you're writing a book where it's just yours and nobody else has read a word of it. And, you know, it's just the two of us who know, I don't know, you know, that, Oh, you know, that Finn makes these kinds of jokes or that, you know, that cat always says this or, or so on. And then there's this really funny moment when you have to send it off to other people and share this thing that you've been building together for years. And it always feels a little, it's exciting to hear what people think, but, you know, the first person we're sending it to is our editor and, you know, we're excited to hear what she thinks. But it's also a little like you've you've cracked the door and let the world in into this place that was very secret beforehand. It's always a very funny feeling. Scary. <laughs> funny yeah. is the word for it. Scary, scary, terrifying is another word for it, yeah. <laughs> Particularly when you're following on the back of Illuminae where yes. that, that book was really popular and um, there was a lot of expectation placed on it the, the follow-up so it's great that people are actually mm-hmm. liking it you know it's great that people are loving it yeah I actually liked I liked it more than Illuminae I liked that series I liked what oh, it cool. did I liked what it told but just getting the snark here I mean there was snark in those books too but um just I don't know something about the get the different points of view in their heads and them having to like the underdogs having to work together the whole group of like oh these are not the people I would have picked but actually these are the people you should have because at the end of the day Mm -hmm. things are probably better and stronger because of what they had gone through individually and because they were on those levels and and it made for you know I would think even a better team than maybe Tyler initially wanted so yeah I I really enjoyed it so and it's funny I have I had this note here that's just like broad stroke question of like yeah, any writing tips for writing with a friend? But I'm like, the whole conversation has been that because all you've, <laughs> you know, like I, I just, as another professional creative, collaborating is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I often say that, that, you know, working with other people makes you a better artist. It makes you better, it, you get to see things. And it's as long as you're not, if you're not feeling, you know, threatened by other artists, you can actually make really beautiful, awesome things together. And I loved hearing how you guys are like, this is something that was really cool. And it, it actually affected your writing working with each other so that individually as well, you feel like you're stronger writers because of your writing friendship, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's well, a lot think, like being yeah. married. You know, if you choose the right person, it's the best decision you ever made. If you, if you choose the wrong person, it, it can be disastrous. So it's not, you know, it's, it's not a silver bullet. It, it can go badly, but I think it really helps that Amy and I were buddies before we started working together. You know, the idea of us writing a book together wasn't even on, the horizon when we just started hanging out and talking about books and writing and and life um so that i think that helped a lot yeah i think it does i think i remember like right back the very first time i ever thought about collaborating with anybody 
was uh, Worldcon, which is the World Science Fiction Convention in 2010. It came to Melbourne and I lied to my work and said I had a family reunion, which kind of spiritually it sort of was, and and got some leave and off I went. And I met these two amazing women called Ellen Krishna and Delia Sherman. And Meg and I had been thinking about collaborating at the time, but we were really concerned about, you know, like what if we have some epic fight about the story and our friendship is over, which in retrospect was just the dumbest concern I've ever had. But oh, apparently that's where we were at. And and we, we spoke to them in, in the bar between sessions at one point and we said, you know, like, what's your advice? Because you ladies have managed to stay married to each other while collaborating. So, you know, clearly, you know, you're masters of it. And the thing that they talked about was the idea that, you know, if you care more about the other person than you do about anything else, the rest of it will actually take care of itself. And I think that's where being really good friends comes in, mm-hmm. that, you know, you do – if we want to take care of each other and make sure that the other one feels, you know, creatively fulfilled and engaged with the story and happy about where it's going, we're going to get a good story out of that. If it was an arm wrestle, I think – it would be a completely different experience for both of us and the story genuinely would not be as good because, you know, Lauren, you talked about the idea of not being threatened by someone in Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to collaborate well. Mm -hmm. And that is so true that Mm -hmm. both of us need to be able to send the other one a chapter to go saying, like, this is not well written yet and it's only sort of 50% of where I need it to be. But, you know, is this direction right? What do you think about, about doing this before I try and make it perfect? And if you don't feel... Like you can show someone something imperfect. I can't imagine how constraining that would be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You need to you need to trust each other. I was gonna say you need to be vulnerable. That's a vulnerability. Like, mm. I was saying to them earlier, those of you listening, I'm in Portland right now. I don't live in Portland. I'm visiting one of my best friends who does what I do for a living. And from the start, there has never been an ounce of com- competitiveness between us. It's more like oh, let's do cool shit together instead of like, well, you do that and I do this and you can Mm -hmm. be my rival more as like every time we hang out, we make beautiful art together. And I think it's better because it's both of us, you know, and it makes it fun because we're like bringing our strengths to it. And that's, I love that. I mean, I've been, you know, talking about, you know, the whole community over competition thing for years. And it's just, it's wonderful again, because it it affects, I think it's just part of being an insecure artist as well. And, you know, I'm sure it's that, you know, vulnerability like you said you have to feel comfortable enough with the person to be able to be like I know this isn't right yet but this is kind of what I'm feeling and and can we get it there and and able to be yourself as an authentic artist which isn't always you know perfect out of the gate it's just not so well I mean if it is honestly you didn't try very hard because like if, if you know no if the thing that if you think you've produced your absolute final version of something in your very first go oh god once in a blue moon it happens like once in a very blue moon it you know you you write something and you're like yep nailed it send that one off but you know most of the time if you're being ambitious or you're pushing yourself then the first version isn't going to be your final version because you know your reach should out- exceed your grasp in most of the stuff that you're doing yeah, it's it makes sense to me. So that it, it, I mean, I'm sure there's like moments where you're like all oh, that quote or that idea, but yeah, it just has to evolve and and grow. And and I I just love that this whole episode has really been just about you know working together and and how it's inspired the story, which is great. And the book really does reflect that. It really is an excellent story. So um, you said you're working on book two now. We are. Yeah, we're, yeah, really we're done. Ooh, we're right on the verge of the final big action sequence. 
Um, yeah. So yeah. By the time we, people we, are listening to this, it, it'll hopefully be done. done. Awesome. Yep. That's amazing. So yeah, it's it's been book two's been a lot of fun. Um, book one is you know, there's always a lot more world building involved in mm-hmm. book one and establishing characters and relationships. And book two is when you know things start to fall apart and those dark secrets start coming to the surface and characters who you thought you knew turn out to be characters that you don't know at all so that there's there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of fun and shifting in the group dynamics in book two so it's um book one was fun to write i think i've had i think i've had more fun on book two because yeah i, I like it when when things start to break <laughs> that's maybe <laughs> that's the dark side of me maybe there is no shortage of that in book two yeah. wow because yeah. you have some crazy stuff that happens at the end of book one that is kind of like what and like a little heart-wrenching a little bit emotionally you know traumatic for some of our characters and just really crazy things that happened and so I can only imagine what their their poor little souls are going to go through in this next one but I can't wait to read it because I'm sure it'll be great and I love that you guys are like yeah we're destroying them and it's great (laughs) (laughs) well I mean yeah Yeah. you know I mean shit goes down at the end of book one and you you can't just book two picks up very shortly after the start of the end of book one and Mm. you can't just have them be like oh well geez, that was a rough day at the office and moving on. No. You know, some stuff has happened and they have to respond to it and deal with it. And that's going to color where they're at, all of them. Yeah. You just released something Illuminate Files related as well, a little teaser, prequely looking thing. You guys are Mm -hmm. doing more Illuminate stuff together too then. Yeah, so it's it's a novella that is set in the days before the first Illuminate book and it's set on... The Alexander, which is the battleship in Illuminate. It's it's a story about Aiden, essentially, and mm. what drove it to the point that it was capable of doing the things it did in Illuminate. It's kind of about Aiden's first real human relationship and Aiden's first murder. So mm. it's kind of a prequel how it got to the point it was at when we met it in Illuminate. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the, the pre-order offer for Aurora. Yeah, it's and look, so I think a lot of the the characters in Illuminae assume that what went wrong with Aiden is it took one too many missiles to the head, <laughs> and what they don't know is that things were going a little astray before that happened. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of learning what it was before it suffered that that damage in the attack that kind of precipitated the fall, but it, it wasn't the cause of the fall, I guess. So yeah, that, that was a lot of fun to kind of step back in, into that world. and. Well, I mean, going back into any old world, because I mean, this is something that um, that, that I did with uh, the novellas that we wrote for um, the Starbound trilogy. It's like putting on comfy pants, going back to something that you, that you completely know how to do. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure because it's a different way of telling a story, and like you said, it's different characters, it's probably a nice mental refresher as well. Um, and what a great pre-order because I'm assuming fans of the series already would want to buy your next book, but just in case they're not sure, here's a <laughs> here more Illuminate goodness. Buy this book. Yeah, you know though, I think I, feel, I think in a funny way though, people like our readers have already learned a little bit to trust us with something that they're not sure about. Mm. Because when we wrote first, we wrote Illuminate. People fell in love with it, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then when we wrote Gemini, and they read the back cover copy, and they went. What do you mean, Nick and Hannah? Who are these people? Yes. This isn't Katie and Ezra, and I don't know how I feel about it. Yep. And we were saying, guys, 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 
we created people you liked in the first place. Trust us to do it a second time. Mm-hmm. And then when they read Gemini, you know, like our dream was to have people arguing about which was the best couple. And mm-hmm. they do. And that's amazing. But I think between that and then, you know, doing it again in Obsidio mm-hmm. with Asher and Reese, it sort of has taught people a little bit, you know, well, I don't know what it is, but they told me to trust them. So I'm going to because that's worked out for me in the past. So I think people are a little more willing to come across to a new thing for that, you know, that same experience of, well, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go because so far they haven't let me down. I actually love that in a story though, when it's like different points of views you fall in love and then they all, it all comes together and connects. I love that shit because it makes it the world so much bigger. Like it's, I don't know. I mean, I agree. If you love characters, it's nice to stay with them sometimes, but I think it's really cool when you get to interact with different, different creatures. So different people. So it's, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> You're right. Being fair and being like, okay, Aurora, it's new, but trust us. So, um, which is awesome. So, and then you guys, obviously, like I said, at the very beginning have other books in the works as well. I mean, Jay, mm-hmm. you have two things coming out later this year. I do. Yeah. The, the second lifelike book deviate is coming out in June and the third Nevernight book is the third and final Nevernight book. Uh, Dark Dawn is coming out in September. Wow. So You've it's been, a pretty busy year between one thing busy. and another. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of sleep going on in the Christoph house right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I've got coffee. So coffee makes everything better. Yeah. Right. Who needs anything but caffeine? I know. Yep. I did. I'm doing three this year and I did three last year. Oh my gosh. And last year I kept being like, oh my God, three books, three books. And Jay was just kind of looking at me and like watching it and being like, hmm, that's that. I've committed to doing that. Hmm. She yeah. looks a bit frazzled. Interesting. Yep. Oh, that's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I obviously made it look graceful and, you know, easy. So he wasn't concerned <laughs> at all. <laughs> and, yeah. And you're obviously going to be setting time aside for family stuff and taking a work break mentally, I'm sure, just to get everything under under your hat. But luckily you, you know, can work from home and fit it in around yeah. it and, you know. No, keep... it'll be fine. I mean, so it's mid-May as we're recording and I've already written over 100,000 words this year. Mid-March. Because the, the it's mid-March. Yeah, this <laughs> happens a lot to me right now. Just ask Jay. This happens a lot right now, <laughs> yep. which is deeply concerning on multiple levels, mostly because of the two of us. I'm the organized one. Yeah, and... uh, no- nothing happens because of me in terms of organization <laughs> or planning or being at the right place at the right time oh, on no. the right day. No. So baby all. brain is like frying everybody then. <laughs> oh, yeah, so no, I'm, I'm basically yeah. going to die on tour because I'll be there by myself. I'll, yeah, I'll probably miss yeah. Four out of five flights, I'm guessing. Yeah, if he doesn't miss a plane, I will eat my hat. But, but yeah, I, at this point, I honestly don't know if it's that I have written a hundred thousand words, or you know, on four different stories, or whether it's baby brain, or whether it's both. Like, I may have just fried my circuits, you know, with with the stuff that I've been doing. But it's cool. By the time I go on maternity leave, I will have handed in four books uh, to editors this year and then they can all edit them while I'm on maternity leave and then I guess they can all drop edits on my desk at the same time when I come back it will be an adventure hair pulling yeah but but a good one hopefully so you're like yeah it always works out um before we go any 
books that you've been reading recently? I asked Amy this. We got, oh, Jay, Amy and I went off on like a tangent with Meg last time on like books this. We love this. And we were like, I need to do just a book series with Amy and Meg because this is amazing. Because it's we, just. Yeah, we kind of did the, the podcast about Undying and then we did the secondary smaller podcast on the end about books that we're really into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was really funny. Um but it's always I always enjoy asking authors if they have time to read what they've read recently or um, I don't I'm assuming with your crazy schedules you haven't had a ton to read. I haven't been uh, reading not as much. As much. Yeah. No. And I've got um thanks to baby I've got carpal tunnel in both hands mm. so I can't physically hold books at the moment so it's either got to be an ebook or an audio book these are my options uh, which has made life a little bit a little bit tricky. Uh, one that I've I've been reading recently that I'm super into, although I guess it'll have been out for a few months by the time people hear this, is uh, Four Dead Queens by Astrid Skolp. Yes, it's a yeah. fantasy and it's a standalone. I'm that right now. Yeah, so like it's I I mean I love fantasy, but it's so fun to have a standalone and it's just breakneck speed and you know it's a murder mystery. Like the the, the premise is that there are four queens and no spoilers, but they all get murdered. <laughs> hence the title mm-hmm. uh and you know it's a whodunit because things are going to be very very bad for us if we don't figure out who done it very very fast book and you know it's really well put together um i i just finished uh priory of the orange tree by mm-hmm. samantha shannon which is her it's a she writes the bone season series but yep. she took time off to write a 900 page epic fantasy in there somehow like on the side <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm a slow reader at the best of times, so for me to commit to a 900-page book, I, like I have to really be into it. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Um, I, I I honestly think it's the best thing she's ever written. It's a it's a work of amazing imagination, and you know it, it's 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 it feels contemporary as well as feeling epic. Um, yeah, it, it's it's one of the coolest books that I've read in a really long time. And like I say, for me to even get through a 900 page book and keep my attention, it has to be pretty great. So uh, I thoroughly recommend it. I think that's out now. Uh, yeah, it cool. is. We it had, is. we had Samantha on the podcast uh, a couple episodes ago about Priory. So I'm all yeah, right. on board for Priory too. I completely agree. That book's epic and awesome and very enjoyable to read. So um, yeah. Epic with a capital E. Yes, <laughs> I mean, as is she. I'm, I'm just excited because I've got an advanced copy, but my hands don't work. Oh, it's and a the book is the size yeah, of no. it hurts, dude. Like, so I, it is, I it is arm day every it. day when you're reading that book. <laughs> yes. Right, and I, I literally couldn't hold it open oh my with gosh. my hands, and so I was like, I'm gonna have to wait for the audio. I'm gonna have to wait till this thing actually <sighs> comes out so that I can listen to it because there's no. I can't, yeah. Can't hold. I mean, yeah, make, make, make sure you got high speed internet working that day when you download the audiobook as well. It's for real, be huge, right? right? Oh my God. Yeah. It's too funny. I mean, I can only imagine because I, I, I couldn't hold it in my hand. I don't have carpal tunnel. I mean, it was still, my hands were hurting. I was like laying in bed, like, oh my God, this book is ridiculous. But I have to keep reading. So, yeah, I, those are both excellent suggestions. So I'll make sure we mention those. I mean, they're both books that I think anyone listening to this podcast will probably be aware of because we're fantasy sci-fi here. But um, it's always good to get another nudge and, you know, from, from authors saying, yeah, this book really was as awesome as the hype is saying it is. So Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, before we go, Jay, you are going to be on tour. Are you going to be, um, I'm assuming, Australia, United States? Where, whereabouts are you going to be? Yeah, so I'm going to the states and Canada. Like, like I say, Amy's not going to be there with me to uh, 
tell me what flight to be on. So the tour may get derailed very, very, very quickly. But it kicks off at Your West. I think it's on May 4th. Uh, and then I'm going probably to eight or nine stops around the States and finishing up in Vancouver in Canada. So all the details are up on my website. And if you feel like coming out and getting signed book, that would be really cool. It'd be great to see you. Uh, and in terms of the Aurora Rising pre-order offer and the Illuminae Novella, you can use the receipt that you get at one of the tour stops to upload to the Get Underline site and you'll be eligible to get the Illuminae Novella there. So yeah, it'd be awesome to see you on the road. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, I think anyone who buys anywhere in first week is going to be fine because we didn't yeah. want to penalise people who, who don't pre-order, you know, who prefer to just go to their bookstore in week one and, and grab it within a couple of days of it coming out. So everyone yeah. will be covered. But do go to tour and do heckle him on my behalf because I won't be there and, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe congratulate him on having made it to the next city. <laughs> and, um, and we're lining up a bunch of really fun conversational partners as well for Jay. So, you know, hmm. he'll he'll have a substitute me in, in every city because um, I, I may be quite literally having a baby while he's on tour. Um, yep. If I go silent on social media for a couple of days, that'll that'll probably be what that is. I will not be live tweeting the event. But um... <laughs> Smart girl. <laughs> please, please don't. I was like, uh, I don't know if Hashtag. we want to know you that well. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to know me that well, but you know, whatever, it'll be worth it on the other side. Um, uh, yes, come say hello on tour if I'm near you. So Jay's also going to have a couple of stamps with him. He's going to have one that is my autograph. So if you feel your book won't be complete without it, uh, you can stamp it in. Or if you'd like to wait till next tour when I will be back on the road again uh, with my tiny entourage, uh, then you can get a stamp that I've also handwritten that has sort of a line where my, my signature is going to go and a little IOU written underneath uh, <laughs> so that you can see what's meant to go there. So that's cute. I'll be there in, in, in spirit. That's great. And in rubber. And in rubber, yeah. <laughs> awesome. doesn't sound as good though. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't. But you'll be there in, in hmm, yeah, you'll mm. be there in, in some way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right guys this was awesome thank you so much for talking with me about aurora rising um oh thanks, thank you very much for having, for having us oh, it's lovely to be back i just hope people lose their minds over this book and um i'm just really excited to help spread a little love about it and um for those of you listening we will be back next week with a new episode thanks bye